Hello and welcome to the Create with Confidence podcast. I'm your host, Taylor Hutton. I'm a millennial business coach, a virtual assistant, social media strategist, and a confidence expert. And I am so excited that you are here joining me today. Inside the Create with Confidence podcast, we will dive into all things creating a career online, personal branding, social media marketing, mindset, confidence, and how you can build a freedom-based lifestyle. I want you to leave this podcast with confidence around your online business and the belief that your biggest dreams are possible for you. So let's get into it. Hello and welcome back to the Create with Confidence podcast. Inside today's episode, I wanted to share with you six tips to help you go from hearing crickets to actually landing clients. Now, these six tips are things that I wish I knew when I began, and they have been proven to help my students go from getting ghosted after the discovery call to landing clients right there and then on the call. Now, I understand just how scary and how awkward and how nerve-wracking discovery calls can be. And when you are feeling like that, it can be really hard to put your best foot forward. So hopefully today's tips can actually help you feel really confident as you jump into your next call. They'll help you make an impact and leave a lasting impression so that you can finally start landing those clients that you've been dreaming about. Now, before we get into all the juicy tips, I wanted to explain that a discovery call is also sometimes called an interview, sometimes it's called a sales call, sometimes it's called a strategy call. I personally like to call it a discovery call and I encourage you to do that as well because I feel like that is the best way to describe it. However, when I am talking about a discovery call, it can be interchanged if you think of it as an interview or you think of it as a sales call, we're talking about the same thing. Now, I like to call it the discovery call. Because interview is where a business owner is typically hiring an employee, but you're not an employee. And so the power dynamic of an interview is where the business owner is holding the power. A discovery call is different to that because in a discovery call, you're equally holding the power. You're equally hiring each other. Now, I don't recommend that you call it a sales call either, and that's purely because I found that there's a lot of pressure associated with the word sales. And when you're in the early stages of your business, the idea of selling yourself can sometimes feel really scary and really uncomfortable. And it also sets the expectation that your client needs to make a decision and buy right there and then on the call. Nobody likes a sleazy salesman. Nobody likes a cold pitch or just a pitch that moves way too quickly. And so if you're somebody who feels like that way of working actually works for you and you want them to sign right there and then and you do feel really confident, then maybe you do want to call it a sales call so that it sets that expectation for your client. But for myself and for majority of my students who are just in the early stages of their business, this can feel really intense and really scary. And so that's why I suggest using a different name because it helps with that mindset shift so that you actually aren't adding unnecessary pressure to an already uncomfortable situation. Now, lastly, with strategy call, the expectation is that you're going to be helping them with a problem or that you're going to be providing strategy directly on the call when that's actually not the case at all. The intention, the aim of the call is really just to get to know each other. And then once they hire you, that's when you start to help them. And that's when you start to solve their problems or provide that strategy. You don't want to set that expectation that they can get that stuff for free from you. And so with a discovery call, yes, of course, there may be interview style questions. There is going to be an element of selling yourself and there might be some strategy provided so that you can show that you are capable, that you are knowledgeable in that area. But at the end of the day, the aim of the call is simply to discover more about each other and to work out whether or not you're going to be a good fit for each other. And so the first tip is to get your head into the game. It's to reframe your thoughts around what a discovery call is. Because if you're treating it like an interview, 
you're giving over your power to the client. And this is really, really common. Now, I recently did a lot of interviews for a position that I was hiring. I wanted to take on a virtual assistant or a social media manager to actually help me build out my social media side of my business because it's been lacking. And it was a very interesting dynamic as I started doing these calls because usually I'm on the other side of the call. I'm the VA who is jumping on the call, talking with a client, whereas this time I was the client. And so it was a weird dynamic in general, but the strangest part about it was that I actually acted in the exact same way, regardless of which side of the fence that I was on. I run and I lead the call, whether I'm the virtual assistant on the call or whether I am the client on the call. And I interviewed a range of different experience levels. And the biggest difference was that the more experienced clients, they held their power on the call and it had an equal power dynamic on the call. And you can feel that. And I believe that this comes from the fact that they've already been doing this for a while. And so they have more experience and they have more confidence to say no if the client isn't aligned. Whereas beginner virtual assistants and new online service providers, they're still used to learning jobs as if they were in a job interview. They still go into it with the intention of them applying for a job. They're looking for any and all clients. And most of these people aren't actually assessing whether they think that the client is an ideal client. They just want a client. They just want any client. They're not picky. And when you are in that mindset, that gives over all of your power to the client because then the client is the only one making the decision whether the applicant is the right fit or not. When in reality, you need to be making that decision as well. And so I want you to remember that there are no shortages of clients out there. Even though the industry may look saturated from where you're sitting and where you're standing right now, I'm sure dentists, doctors, teachers, accountants, they all feel the same way. But odds are you only know a couple dentists, doctors, accountants, like how many of them do you actually know? Your client is only going to know a few VAs. So don't get in your head about it. Ideal clients are always going to come. They will always sign. But you have more chance of standing out if you lead the conversation. And it shows that you're confident. It shows that you are assessing them just as much as they're assessing you. And when you do that, it makes so much more of an impact because they feel like you are just as much of an ideal client to them as they are to you. It starts your partnership off so much stronger and leads to longer term partnerships as well. Don't wait until cracks form, until after you've been working with them for a little while, just purely because you took them on as a client and you try to put your best foot forward, even knowing that they might not be an ideal client for you. I want you to assess them on the call, lead the call, take charge, ask them the questions because they're assessing you just as much as you're assessing them. And you are a business owner in your own right. You are not an employee. So hold your power and match them on the call. Now, when it comes to confidence and leading the call, the easiest way to do that and to set that intention is to send out the invitation for them to join you on your call. I was blown away by the amount of people who I had to send links to when I was looking for a VA. I always do this when I'm applying for a job as the virtual assistant. I always send the links out because I don't want to make the client do more work. They're busy. So don't Make them set up the links. Don't make them send out all of the information to go back and forward, trying to book a call and then, you know, oh no, that time doesn't work. What about this time? And going back and forth. Then you realize you're in different time zones. Like there's so many barriers to entry when you are working in this way. Okay. Don't cause your client headaches. The perfect way to stand out is to eliminate that from the beginning. 
As a virtual assistant, your job is to make your clients' lives easier. And the simplest way to do that and to show that you can do that is from the very beginning. Now, I've titled this episode Six Simple Tips because they really are simple. Oftentimes, it's the simplest things that are overlooked. It's the small things that make a difference between landing a client and not landing them. And trust me when I say, not many people are doing this. I had calls with 15 people when I was looking for somebody to help me out, and I only had one person send me a link. I had to send them out to everybody else. So step two is set up a Calendly account right now. It is completely free, and it allows you to have one event type. Use that event to create a booking for discovery calls. Now, you can create multiple events. You can just only have one that is available for people to book. So you can just toggle them on and off, right? So for a discovery call, you just make sure it's linked on, you add in your availability, you link it to your Zoom account, and then anytime somebody wants to jump on a discovery call, you send them that link. Make sure it's on, okay? And then all they have to do is click the link, book a time, answer any questions that you have for them, which you can create inside Calendly, and then it'll create a Zoom meeting and add it to both of your calendars at the time zone that yourself and that your client is in. So it makes it so much easier, so much simpler. And imagine how much time you've just saved both of you. So the third tip and the other reason why I encourage you to send the link and to host the call is because it allows you to record them. I want you to be recording every single one of your calls. Tell your client that you will be recording the call either beforehand or when they jump on the call and just say to them that you record all of the calls so that you have a record of what you speak about in case you miss anything. And it also helps you improve your calls for the future. I have not once ever had a client who wasn't okay with it. And if they aren't okay with it, then ask them why. A lot of the time you can talk them through what they're actually talking about and whether they're you know scared that it's going to be given away or confidentiality whatever you can talk them through it if they are worried about it but a lot of the time most people are okay with it like 99% of the time in fact 100% for me but I'm sure there's going to be the one odd person out there who's not okay with it so just ask them why and talk them through it and most times it'll be fine then what I want you to do is to watch the calls back and take the emotion out of it the first few calls that you do will probably suck. It's totally okay. You're a beginner. It's allowed to suck. You're allowed to not be the best the first time you do something. All right. And so that's why I want you to record them because when you notice the things that aren't working, you can improve on them. But if you don't ever record, if you don't ever watch it back and you're not aware, then how are you ever supposed to know? And so that's why I want you to record them so you can learn from it because the more you do these calls, the better you will get. The more you will be able to answer their questions succinctly without rambling, the more you will be able to notice your facial expressions, notice your body language, and it's going to help you pick up on things that you hadn't noticed that you do. Watching it back is also going to help you have another perspective on whether you actually want to work with them as well. A lot of the time we get in our heads and we just, we want that other client. But when you actually take a step back, you take the emotion out of it and you start worrying about, oh, I need to pay my bills. And you simply look at whether or not that client is aligned. Sometimes you'll realize, actually, I don't want to work for them. And that is okay as well. You're allowed to say no to them. Now, the fourth tip is to pay attention to how you come across. That's why... Having the recorded calls is so important. I want you to be mindful of how you come across, 
how your tone is, how your body language is, your facial expressions, your nervousness, your passion, all of these things. And it can actually be a barrier to whether or not the client can actually see whether you're being yourself on the call or you're just saying whatever they want to hear, right? When you're in these types of situations, it can be really hard to assess the real them. Your passion can come across as being defensive or aggressive because you care so much. You want this client to understand. Or maybe your nervousness and your shyness can come across as being uninterested. Your excitement can make you go off topic and start rambling. So that's why recording your calls and watching them back is going to be so crucial because it's going to help you pick up on actually how you're coming across. And that's going to help you be aware and be mindful of the things that you do for your next calls. The other thing to be aware of is actually how you're answering their questions. And I mentioned that before. It can be really easy to fake it until you make it and think that you just need to tell them whatever they want to hear. On paper, people seem great. But that's the point of a discovery call because you will pick up on their vibe. And so if you are just saying whatever your client wants to hear, they're going to pick up on that. They want to see your personality. They want to make sure that you are the right person for them, that you're going to fit into their business, that your personality matches and that you have a vibe that they get along with, right? I'm sure people will want to hear all the answers that they want to hear. But if they aren't actually coming authentically and naturally to you, then you're just going to be setting both of you up for failure. And that is just going to do more damage in the long run. So one of the questions that I asked when I was interviewing people was, what are some of the things that you love and what are some of the things that you hate doing? Now, most people obviously are going to say the things that, you know, I put in that I needed support with that they love doing. But the ones who couldn't give me an answer for the things that they don't like doing or, you know, potentially even personality traits that they don't get along with, that was a really big red flag to me because your clients should be helping you grow and they should be hiring you to do things that are in your zone of genius. And every job has tasks that they don't like doing or personality traits that they don't get along with. So hearing these things actually really helped me get to know the individual behind the business. And it told me more about whether we would actually vibe compared to somebody who just said the answers that I wanted to hear. And so, of course, I encourage you to put your best foot forward, but trust that your personality, your passion, your enthusiasm, and your confidence are going to take you further than your experience and having the right answers. Now, the fifth tip is to ask for feedback. And I want you to be aware that most clients will not provide feedback. Some are going to ghost you completely. Others are only going to contact you if you've been successful, and some will tell you whether you've been successful or not. But amazing clients or amazing potential clients, they're going to take the time to provide feedback as to why either you were or you weren't successful. Obviously, this is easier to provide feedback if you get the role, but the ones that you don't get, they're the ones that you actually really need. They're more important to listen to because they're the ones that are actually going to help you grow. Now, you are well within your right to ask for feedback, but I want you to be mindful with how you ask for it because it can leave a bit of taste in your client's mouth if it's not done tastefully. So don't self-sabotage and believe that you've lost it before the call is over and say, well, if I haven't got it, then tell me why, which is an experience that I had. Instead, there's two different ways that you can do it. Actually, well, there's three ways you can do it. Either when you first jump on the call, when you say, thank you so much for joining. The aim of today's call is to get to know each other. I'm going to ask you a few questions and then I'll answer your questions, blah, 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 right? You could say it then and say, I'd really appreciate if after the call, you could provide some feedback around your thoughts on today's call purely so that I can continue to improve, then obviously it's going to be in their mind from the beginning. 
Or you could send them an email afterwards asking for feedback, saying, thank you so much. I love meeting you on the call. I would really love to know if you had any feedback or any thoughts that you could provide so that I can continue to improve for these calls. Or you could wait until you hear a response, whether yes, you've been successful or not. And then you could ask them, hey, thank you so much for letting me know. Is there anything I could do better next time? Do you have any feedback? All of that kind of stuff. Whichever way you choose, always ask. Because if you don't ask, then you won't get. And some people are going to take the time to give you that feedback because they want to encourage your growth. Some people won't. All right. And keep in mind that it isn't personal if they do give you feedback. Sometimes the truth can hurt. And sometimes it can be really, really hard for that client to give you feedback that wasn't what you want to hear. But trust that the feedback you get is not personal. It's only there to actually serve as data points to help you improve. Sometimes there's nothing you can do about it. Sometimes they just want a good fit and that's totally fine. But other times there is things that you could have done to improve. So use this feedback to improve, to get better. And the way you handle the feedback will actually show the client your professionalism. And I've got a really good example of this. I had a call recently for this role that I was hiring. I had quite a few calls and one of them in particular ended very, very intensely. I asked her her rate and she became quite defensive around it, tried to explain why she charged that amount. And mind you, she was the average, like she was in the average price bracket. I had people who were less expensive. I had people who were more expensive. And I told her that. And she said, yes, but clients don't always know what goes into pricing. So I need to tell them. And as a coach, I reminded her that actually, no, you don't. It's not your job to defend your prices. It's not your job to coach people through their money objections. Your ideal clients will always sign. You're always going to be amazing value to some people and way too expensive for others. And that's okay. And so hopefully this can be a lesson to you too. Your client is doing calls with lots of other people. They're going to know what the average cost is. And if they can't afford you, you getting defensive around your pricing and telling them why you charge what you do is not going to convince them. It's just going to result in an intense end of the call. And she was extremely knowledgeable and her price was reasonable. I feel like she could have even charged more for what she was doing. The reason she wasn't successful on this call purely was because of that last interaction. I felt like our personalities weren't a fit. And so I actually debated writing an email back with feedback, just saying to her, hey, you weren't successful. And then I thought, no, I feel like she really needs to know this because this could hold her back from landing future clients. And I was like, no, like as a coach, I need to give her that feedback so that for her next call, she can be aware of this and she can get better and she can land that next client. Because apart from that, I mean, I still feel like our personalities didn't vibe, but that definitely was the sealer for me. But there could be other clients where her personality does match and that she does vibe with them. And then it's just that last conversation that just is a bit too intense and leaves a bit of taste. And so I was like, no, I need to write this. And so I wrote a really long email and I was actually terrified that she was going to lose her crap at me. I actually was so scared that she wasn't going to handle it well, because it can be like a hard pill to swallow knowing that you didn't do the best. And that if it was that one thing, you know, it can be a really hard pill to swallow getting feedback that isn't great. And so I wrote her this really long email and Her response was amazing. You could have knocked me over with a feather when she responded. She was so polite. She was so thankful for the feedback and even said that she was so sorry it came across that way and she never intended it to. And she tried to, she didn't give any excuses, but she tried to explain why. And I could totally understand. She was just so passionate. And because we spoke about her background on the call, I knew that 
her response to me asking for her rate came from being so proud around what she does. And she wants to educate people that that is the value because a lot of the time people do tell her that she is too expensive. And so I totally understand that. And it's important to be mindful, but at the end of the day, you also need to be aware of how those things are coming across and how you are explaining those things. And if I hadn't have provided that feedback, she may have never known and she may have continued to do that same thing on another call. And that's why it's so important to record your calls because then you have access to the recording. You can watch it back and go, oh, that's what they mean by that bit of feedback. Oh, they, they perceived it that way. That's not how I perceived it. And so That's why you always need to record your calls because it's like those bosses who can't keep their stuff, but they just have no idea why. They always blame everybody else, but sometimes it's just the little things that makes or breaks a call. And so if you're not aware of what you're doing, how can you improve? And so I just want to say that her response was so professional and it really, really did help change my opinion of her. And since then, because of that, and because I did obviously see her value and she was very knowledgeable, I've recommended her services to a friend who I feel like their personality would be a better fit because of the way she handled that feedback and she handled herself. And I've got an episode coming up in the future about how to handle a no. And this is a very great example of how to be graceful and confident in hearing a no. And because when you can do that and you don't burn your bridges from that, I've recommended her to another client because of that. Now, the last tip I have for you, which we've already briefly touched on, is to send a follow-up email. Now, after our calls, I only had one person send me a follow-up email. One out of the 15 that I spoke with. And guess who stood out? Obviously, it was the one who sent the email. And it literally takes maybe five extra minutes, but it speaks of volumes. It shows your client that you are interested, that you valued the time. And use this as a way to recap the call. Thank them for joining you on the call. You could also obviously use this to ask for feedback, like we mentioned, if you didn't ask them on the call. And you could also use it to send a proposal or send your service guide if you didn't send it before the call. Now, I personally prefer to send my service guide before the call so that they already know the expectation. They know what services I can provide. They know my rates before I even get on the call. But if you haven't, or if you want to send a customized offer, customized proposal to them, then use this as a way to do that. You could also just use it as a follow-up to say, hey, just in case you didn't receive the first one, or just as a reminder, here's my service guide. And use this follow-up email to set the expectation as to when you're going to follow up with them if you haven't heard back. Because they're going to have an idea in mind, and hopefully you've spoken about this on the call, as to when they're going to make a decision. But you don't want to just go forever and just leave it open-ended and not know when you're going to hear back from them. So say to them, if I haven't heard back from you in a week, then I will follow up. Or if I haven't heard back from you by the end of the month, then I'll follow up and go from there. And then follow up. Whenever you've said that you were going to follow up with them, if you haven't heard back from them by then, make sure you follow up with them because that is going to help you stand out. Sometimes your client has simply forgotten. Sometimes they're just busy and they haven't made a decision yet. And sometimes they have already hired somebody else and they've just ghosted you. So this gives them a chance to at least let you know so that you are aware that you haven't landed the job. And hopefully they can also use that as a time to provide that feedback that you've asked for as well. Don't overlook the small things. Oftentimes all it takes is a small tweak or a small change to make a huge impact and land that client. And if you have just sent that one little follow-up email, that could be the difference between you getting really helpful feedback or not. When I started my business, I didn't do any of this and I kept wondering why I wasn't lending any clients. However, since implementing these tips, I've now got an 80% close rate. Four out of five people I get on a call with sign with me and that's increasing the more I do calls. And so these tips have helped 
not only me, but they've helped my students also go from hearing crickets to landing dream clients. So hopefully they've helped you too. And if they have, I would love to know. My DMs are always open. So if you've enjoyed this episode, please let me know. Please leave a review. It does really help me build out this podcast, know what topics you enjoy hearing about, and also get guests that I know that you will enjoy. Next week, speaking of guests, we've got a very exciting episode, our first guest episode. So I will speak to you next week's episode, but until then, keep creating with confidence. Bye.